0: 41. That he has looked into Drive Far's medical guide to Nias, NICE, and is much disappointed. He hoped to have seen a print of the eternally talked of, Nias NICE young man, in the costume of the country. He doubts, moreover, that the doctor has ever been there, for his remarks show him not to have been over Nias. NICE. See Olembia's Lungs and Learning. Dr. Kumbi, in his new work upon America, by some anatomical process, invariably connects large lungs with expansive inlet our Brace friend, Tom Duncombe, declares, in his opinion, this must be the origin of the received expression for the mighty Savons, viz., the, lights of literature, parliamentary masons, parliamentary pictures, was there ever anything so lucky that the strike of the masons should have happened at this identical juncture, parliament is prorogued, now, deducting Sir Robert Peel, physician, with his train of apothecaries and pestle and mortar apprentices, who, until February next, are to sit cross-legged and try to think, there are at least 630 unemployed members of the House of Commons, turned upon the world with nothing, poor fellows, but grouse before them, some, to be sure, may pick their teeth, in the gardens of the twiry some they even now venture to exercise their favorite elbow at Baden-Baden, but with every possible and probable exception, there will yet be hundreds of unemployed lawmakers, to whom time will be a heavy porter's burden. We had a plan which, for its originality, should draw down upon us the gratitude of the nation. It is no other than this: who make all members of Parliament, for once in their lives at least, full the Masons hired to build the new temples of Parliament have struck the hard-handed ingrates. Let them go. We propose that during the prorogation at least, members of Parliament should, like beavers, build their own houses. In a word, every member elected to a seat in Parliament should be compelled, like Robinson Crusoe, to make his own furniture before he could sit down upon it. Have we not a hundred examples of the peculiar fitness of the task? In the habits of what in our human arrogance we call the lower animals, there is many a respectable spider who would justly feel himself calumniated by any comparison between him and any one of twenty parliamentary lawyers we could name, yet the spider spins its own web and seeks its own look of refuge from the reformed room of Molly the housemaid, and then, the tiny insect, ant, that living, silent monitor to unregarding men doth it not make its own galleries, build with toilsome art its own abiding place, does not the mole scratch its own chamber the carrion kite build its own nest, shall cuckoos and members of parliament alone be lodged at others pains, consider the wasp, oh, Stanley, mark its nest of paper, it is said on wasp's paper you are wont to write your thoughts on Ireland and resolutely seize a trowel. Look to the bee. oh, Colonel S.I.B.D.H.O.R.P. See how it elaborates its virgin wax. How it shapes its luscious cone and though we would not trust you to place a brick upon a brick. Nevertheless you may. Under instruction. Mix the mortar. Ponder on the rat and its doings. Most wise bee you are See how craftily it makes its hole. and though you are too age stricken to carry a hog you may at least do this much sift the line, but wherefore thus particular why should we dwell on individuals, polecat, weasel, ferret, hedgehog, with all your vermin affinities, come forth, and staring reproachfully in the faces of all prorogued members, bid them imitate your zeal and pains, and the masons having struck build their houses for themselves, we make this proposal in no thoughtless no bantering spirit. He can see very little into the most transparent millstone. Who believes that we pen these essays? Essays that will endure and glisten as long, I as long as the freshest mackerel. If he think that we sit down to this hour weekly labor in a careless, lackadaisical humor, by no means. Like Cyril Whitey Dolan and er, when he birds up his lines to write an apocryphal comedy, we approach our work with graceful solemnity. Like Cyril Whitey Dolan, too, we always dress for the particular work we have in hand. Cyril Lidegillen wrote, Richelieu, in a Harlequin's jacket sticking Pirate's pistols in his belt, ere he valorously took whole scenes from a French melodrama, we made our last week's essay in a suit of old canonicals, with a tie with iskew upon our beating temples, and are at this moment cased in a court suit of cut velvet, with our hair curled, our whiskers crisped, and a Masonic apron decorating our middleman having subsided into our chair it is in most respects like the porphyry piece of furniture of the Pope and our housekeeper having played the dead marching soul on our chamber organ B.U.L.W.R. wrote, the sea captain, to the preludizing of a Jew's harp. We enter on our this week's labor. We state thus much, that our readers may know with what pains we prepare ourselves for them. Besides, when B.U.L.W.R. thinks it right that the world should know that the idea of La first hit him in the rotunda of a French diligence. Modest as we are, can we suppose that the world will not be anxious to learn in what colored coat we think, and whether, when we scratch our head to assist the thought that sticks by the way, we displace a velvet cap or a truth at scalp, reader, be above parenthesis may be skipped or not, read not a line of it the omission will not maim our argument, so to proceed, if we cast our eyes over the debates of the last six months, we shall find that hundreds of members of the House of Commons have exhibited the most extraordinary powers of ill-directed labor, and then their capacity of endurance. Arguments that would have knocked down any reasonable elephant have touched them no more than would summer gnats. Well, why not awake the sleeping strength? Why not divert a mischievous potency into beneficial action? Why should we confine a body of men to making laws, when so many of them might be more fully employed in wheeling barrows? Now there is Mr. Plumby, who has done so much to make English Sundays respectable. Would he not be working far more enduring utility with pickaxe or spade than by labouring at enactments to stop the flowing of the Thames on the Sabbath? Might not Disraeli really be turned into a very jaunty carpenter and be set to the light interior work of both the houses? His logic, it is confessed, will support nothing, but we think he would be a very smart hand at a half peg. As for much of the joinery work. Could we have prettier mechanics than Sir James Graham and Sir Edward K and ADCHPULL? When we remember their opinions on the Corn laws, and see that they are a part of the cabinet which has already shown symptoms of some approaching alteration of the bread tax when we consider their enthusiastic bigotry for everything as is it island and Sir Robert feel small, adventurous liberality, his half-bashful homage to the spirit of the age sure we are that both Graham and K and ADCHPULL. Who remain component members of the Peel Cabinet, must be masters of the science of dovetailing, and hence, the men of men for the joinery work of the new Houses of Parliament. Again how many members from their long experience in the small jobbery of committees from their profitable knowledge of the mysteries of private bills and certain other unclean work which may, if they please, fall to the lot of the English Senator how many of these lights of the times might build small monuments of their genius in the drains, sewerage, and certain conveniences required by the deliberative wisdom of the nation, we have seen the plans of Mr. Barry, and are bound to praise the evidence of his taste and genius, but we know that the structure, however fair and beautiful to the eye, must have its foul places, and for the dark, dirty, winding ways of Parliament reader, take a list of Her Majesty's commons, and running your finger down their names, pick us out three hundred able-bodied laborers three hundred stalwart night workmen in darkness and corruption. We ask the country, need it care for the strike of Petu's men the said Petu, by the way, is in no manner descended from Falstaff's retainer. When there is so much unemployed labor, hungering only for the country's good, we confess to a difficulty in finding among the members of the present parliament a sufficient number of stone squarers. when we know that there are so few among them who can look upon more than one side of the question. We own that the completion of the building may be considerably delayed by employing only members of Parliament as square workmen, the true file having never been accustomed to the operation, they will need considerable instruction in the art. Those, however, rendered incapable, by habit and nature, of the task, may cast rubbish and carry a hog. We put it to the patriotism of members of Parliament, whether they ought not immediately to throw themselves into the arms of Petu and Grissel with an enthusiastic demand for tools, if they be not wholly insensible of the wants of the nation and of their own dignity, Monday morning's sun will shine upon every man of Her Majesty's majority, for once laudably employed in the nation's good, how delightful then to saunter near the works, how charming then to listen to members of Parliament, what a picture of senatorial industry, for an Irish speech by Stanley, have we not the more dulcet music of the stone-cutting saw? instead of an oration from g-o-u-l-b-u-r-n, have we not the shrill note of his angriest parliamentary barrel? for the, here, here, of p-o-u-n-p-d-r-e, the more accordant tapping of the hammer for the, cheer, from i-n-g-l-i-s, the sweeter chink of the mason's chisel, and then the moral and physical good acquired by the workmen themselves, after six days toil, there is scarcely one of them who will not feel himself wonderfully enlightened on the wants and feelings of laboring man they will learn sympathy in the most efficient manner by the sweat of their brow, pleasant, indeed, twill be to ccastiliari lean on his axe, and beg, would sly, for, a pot of the smallest ale, having, we trust, remedied the evils of the masons strike having shown that the fitness of things calls upon the commons, in the present dilemma, to build their own house we should feel it and just to the government not to acknowledge the good taste which, as we learn, has directed that an estimate be taken of the disposable space on the walls of the new buildings, to be devoted to the exalted work of the historical painter. Records of the greatness of England are to endure in a dying use on the walls of Parliament. This is a praiseworthy object, but to render it important and instructive, the greatest judgment must be exercised in the selection of subjects, which, for ourselves, we would have to illustrate the wisdom and benevolence of Parliament how beautifully would several of the duke of wellington's speeches paint for instance his portrait of a famishing englishman the drunkard and the idler no other man according to his grace famishing in england and then the duke's view of the shops of butchers and poulterers and bakers all in the dutch style by which his grace has lately proved that if there be distress it can certainly not be for want of comestibles but the theme is too suggestive to be carried out in a single paper we trust that portraits of members will be admitted. B. U. R. D. 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 And Graham, half Whig, half-tory, in the style of Death and the Lady, will make pretty companion pictures, to do full pictorial justice to the wisdom of the Senate. Parliament will want a peculiar artist, that gifted man can be no other than the artist to punch. punches pencilings. Mumbrick's Ivy. The physiology of the London medical student. I. 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 of his gradual development. For the first two months of the first winter session the fingers of the new man are nothing but ink stains and industry. He has duly chronicled every word that has fallen from the lips of every professor in his Leviathan notebook, and his desk teams with reports of all the hospital cases, from the burnt housemaid, all cotton wool and white league, who set herself on fire reading penny romances in bed, on one side of the hospital, to the tipsy glazier who bundled off his perch and spiked himself upon the area rails on the other. He becomes a walking chronicle of pathological statistics, and after he has passed six weeks in the wards, imagines himself an embryo hunter, to keep up his character, a new man ought perpetually to carry a stethoscope a curious instrument, something like a six-penny toy trumpet with its top knocked off, and used for the purpose of hearing what people are thinking about, or something of the kind, in the endeavor to acquire a perfect knowledge of its use he is indefatigable. There is scarcely a patient but he knows the exact state of their thoracic viscera, and he talks of enlarged semilunar valves, and thickened ventricles with an air of alarming confidence, and yet we rather doubt his skill upon this point, we never perceived anything more than a sound and a jog, something similar to what you hear in the cabin of a fourpenny steamboat, and especially mistrusted the metallic tinkling, and the noise resembling a blacksmith's bellows blowing into an empty quart pot, which is called the brute de soufflet. Take our word. When medicine arrives at such a pitch that the secrets of the human heart can be probed, it need not go any further, and will have the power of doing mischief enough. The new man does not enter much into society. He sometimes asks a few other juniors to his lodgings, and provides tea and shrimps, with occasional cold saveloise for their refection, and it is possible he may add some homemade wine to the banquet. Their conversation is exceedingly professional, and should they get slightly jocose, they retail anatomical paradoxes, technical puns, and legendary catch questions, which from time immemorial have been the delight of all new men in general, and country ones in particular, but diligent and industrious as the new man may be. He is mortal after all, and being mortal, is not proof against temptation at least. After five or six weeks of his pupillage have passed the good Saint Anthony resisted all the endeavors of the evil one to allure him from the proper path until the gentleman of the discolored cuties beer assume the shape of a woman. The new man firmly withstands all inducements to irregularity until his first temptation appears in the form of the sitter-sellers the convivial rubicon which it is absolutely necessary for him to pass before he can enroll himself as a member of the quiet, hard-working, modest fraternity of the medical student of our London hospitals. Facilies Descensus Averni. The steps that lead from Maiden Lane to the sitter-sellers are easy of descent. Although the return is sometimes attended with slight difficulty. Not that we wish to compare our favorite souterrain in question to the averse of the Latin poet, oh. No. If Aeneas had met with roast potatoes and stout during his celebrated voyage across the Styx to the infernal regions, and listened to songs and glees in place of the multitude of condemned souls, whore and dumb stridents, we wager that he would have been in no very great hurry to a return. But we had arrived at an important point in our physiology the first launch of the new man into the ocean of his London life, and we pause upon its shore. He has but definite ideas of three public establishments at all intimately connected with his professional career the hall, the college, and the sitter-sellers. There are but three individuals to whom he looks with feelings of deference Mr. Sayer of Blackfriars, Mr. Belfour of Lincoln's Fields, and Mr. Rhodes of Maiden Lane are the impersonation of the fates the arbitrators of his destinies. As it is customary that an attendance in the theatre of lectures should precede the student's determination to, have a shine at the college, or, go up to the hall, so is it usual for a visit to one of the theatres to be paid before going down to the sitter cellars. The new man has been beguiled into the excursion by the exciting narratives of his companions, and beginning to feel that he is behind the other, chaps, a new man's term in knowledge of the world he yields to the attraction held out, not because he at first thinks it will give him pleasure so to do, as because it will put him on a level with those who have been, on the same principle as our rambling compatriots go to Switzerland and the Rhine, his mentor is ready in the shape of a third season man, and under his protecting influence he sallies forth, the theaters have concluded, every carriage, cab, and, Cochinherd, in their vicinity is in motion, vendors of trotters and ham sandwiches are in full cry, the bars of the proximate retail establishments are crowded with thirsty gods, really chops and steaks are temptingly displayed in the windows of the supper houses, and the turnips and carrots in the freshly arrived market carts appear astonished at the sudden confusion by which they are surrounded, amidst this confusion the new man and his friends arrive beneath the beacon which illumines the entrance of the tavern, He descends the stairs in an agony of anticipation, and feverishly trips up the six or eight succeeding ones to arrive at the large room, a song has just concluded, and he enters triumphantly amidst the thunder of applause, the jingling of glasses, the imperious vociferations of fresh orders, and an atmosphere of smoke that pervades the whole apartment, like dense clouds of incense burning at the altar of the genius of conviviality, the new man is at first so bewildered, that it would take but little extra excitement to render him perfectly unconscious as to the probability of his standing upon his occipital frontalis or plantar fascia, but as he collects his ideas, he contrives to muster sufficient presence of mind to order a Welsh rabbit, and in the interim of its arrival earnestly contemplates the scene around him, there is the room which, in afterlife, so vividly recurs to him, with its bygone souvenirs of mirth, when he is sitting up all night at a bad case in the mud cottage of a pauper union. There are its bloom walls, its wainscot and its pillars, its lamps and ground glass shades, within which the gas jumps and flares so fitfully, its two looking glasses, that reflect the room and its occupants from one to the other in an interminable vista. There also is Mr. Rhodes, bending courteously over the backs of the visitors' chairs, and hoping everybody has got everything to their satisfaction or bestowing an occasional subdued acknowledgement upon an habituate who chances to enter, and the professional gentlemen all laying their heads together at the top of the table to pitch the key of the next glee, and the waiters bustling up and down with all sorts of tempting comestibles, and, the gentleman in the Chesterfield wrapper smoking a cigar at the side of the room, while he leans back and contemplates the ceiling, as if his whole soul was concentrated in its smoke-discolored moldings, the new man is in ecstasies, he beholds the realization of the Arabian Nights, and when the harmony commences again, he is fairly entranced, at first, he is fearful of adding the efforts of his laryngeal, little muscles with the long names, to swell the chorus, but, after the second glass of stout and a, go of whiskey, he becomes emboldened, and when the gentleman with the bass voice sings about the monks of old, what a jovial race they were, our friend trolls out how, they laughed, ha, ha, so lustily, that he gets quite red in the face from obstructed jugulars, and applauds, when it has concluded, until everything upon the table performs a curious ballet dance, which is only terminated by the descent of the crew. it's upon the floor. The precise hour at which the new man arrives at home, after this eventful evening, has never been correctly ascertained, having a latchkey. He is the only person that could give any authentic information upon this point, but, unfortunately, he never knows himself. Some few things, however, are universally allowed, namely, that in extreme cases he is found asleep on the rug at the foot of the stairs next morning, with the rushlight that was left in the passage burnt quite away, and all the solder of the candlestick melted into a little globules, more frequently he knocks up the people of the neighboring house, under the impression that it is his own, but that a new keyhole has been fitted to the door in his absence, and, in the mildest forms of the disease. He drinks up all the water in his bedroom during the night, and has a propensity for retiring to a rest in his pea coat and bluchers. From the obstinate tenacity of his buttons and straps, the first lecture the next morning fails to attract him, he eats no breakfast, and when he enters the dissecting room about one o'clock, his fellow students administer to him a pint of ale, warmed by the simple process of stirring it with a hot poker, with some cayenne pepper thrown into it, which he is assured will set to rights the irritable mucus lining of his stomach, the effect of this remedy island to send him into a sound sleep during the whole of the two o'clock anatomical lecture, and awakened at its close by the applause of the students, he thinks he is still at the sitter cellars, and cries out, Encore, recommendations for the prevention of railway accidents, having been particularly struck by the infernal smashes that have recently taken place on several railroad lines, And having been ourselves forcibly impressed by a tender, which it must be allowed was rather hard coming in collision with ourselves, we have thought over the subject, and have now the following suggestions to offer, behind each engine let there be second and third class carriages, so that, in the event of a smash, second and third class lives only would be sacrificed. Let there be a van full of stokers before the first class carriages, for, as the directors appear to be liberal of the stokers lives, It is presumed that every railway company has such a glut of them that they can be spared easily, as some of the carriages are said to oscillate, from being too heavy at the top. Let a few copies of, martinez be placed as ballast at the bottom, in order that the softest possible lining may be given to the carriages. Let the interior be covered with copies of Sathorpe's speeches as densely as possible. We have not yet been able to find a remedy for the remarkable practice which prevails in some railways of sending a passenger like a banknote, cut in half, for better security, the political Euclid, number two, prop, I problem, to describe an independent member upon a given indefinite line of politics, let C.R. or conservative reform, be the given indefinite line it is required to describe on C.R. an independent member, with the center reform, and at the distance of conservatism, describe G.B. and M or Graham, Broome, and Melbourne the extremes of the Whig administration of 1834, with the center conservatism, and at the distance of reform, describe GBNP or Graham, Buckingham, and peel the extremes of the Tory administration of 1841, from the point Graham, where the administrations cut one another, draw the lines Graham and reform, and Graham and conservatism, then Graham and conservative reform is an independent member, for because reform was the center of the Whig administration, Graham, Broome, and Melbourne therefore Graham and reform was the same as reform with a shade conservatism. And because conservatism is the center of the Tory administration, Graham, Buckingham, and Peel therefore Graham and conservatism is the same as conservatism with a shade reform therefore Graham and conservatism is the same as Graham and reform therefore Graham is either a conservative or a reformer, as the case may require. And therefore he is a conservative reformer wherefore, having three sides, which are all the same to him is, Reform. Conservatism. And himself he is an independent member, and has been described as a conservative reformer. Quadrat double faciendum. Prop. I. I. Problem. From a given point to draw out a radical member to a given length, let a or his ancestors be the given point, and in a s s the given length, it is required to draw out upon the point of his ancestors a radical member equal to an a s s connect the a s s with a his ancestors, on the ASS and a s s and of his ancestors describe an independent member SRI Sir Robert Inglis then with SRI Sir Robert Inglis draw out the ASS to GL S A or great literary and scientific attainments and with SRI Sir Robert Inglis let our robot be got into a line upon a his ancestors with the ASS in the middle describe the circulation of TN or Times newspaper and with three Sir Robert Inglis as the center describe the circle of the HFC or House of Commons than R A or Robic on his ancestors equals an A S S four because the A S S was in the Middle of T N or Times newspaper. Therefore, the Rhodomet of G L and S A or great literary and scientific attainments was equal to the braying of an A S S and because S R I or Sir Robert Inglis was in the center of H C or House of Commons. Therefore, S R I on G L and S A or Sir Robert Inglis on the great literary and scientific attainments was only to be equaled by S.R.I. and R. or Sir Robert Inglis and Robic, But Sir R.I. is always equal to himself. Therefore the remainder, R. or Roebuck on his ancestors, is equal to the remaining G.L. and S.A. or Great Literary and Scientific Attainments. But G.L. and S.A. or the Great Literary and Scientific Attainments, have been shown to be equal to those of an A.S.S. and therefore R A or Roebuck on his ancestors, is equal to an A.S.S. Wherefore, from a given point, A. his ancestors, has been drawn out a radical member, aerobic, equal to an ASS quadrirot sheep and dome, prop, III, I, I. problem from the greater opposition of two members to a given measure to cut, off the part, so as it may agree with the less, let PC and WR or Peel the conservative and Walkley the radical, represent their different oppositions to the new poor law, to which that of w or Walkley the radical, is greater than that of peel the conservative it is required to cut off from W or Lockley the radical's opposition apart, so that it may agree with that of PC or peel the conservative, from W or Lockley, draw WT or Lockley the trimmer, the same as PC or peel the conservative, with the center w or Lockley, and to the extremity of T trimming. Describe the magic circle PLC cutting w or Lockley the radical in BP his breeches pocket. Then WBP or Wockley and his breeches pocket agrees with Peel the Conservative, for because the circle PLCE is described about W or Wockley, therefore WBP or Wockley and his breeches pocket is of the same opinion as WT or Wockley the trimmer. But WT or Wockley the trimmer agrees with Peel the Conservative, therefore WBP or Wockley and his breeches pocket agrees with PC or Peel the Conservative. Wherefore. From the greater opposition of W.R. Walkley the radical to the new poor law is cut off. W.B.P. Walkley and his breeches pocket, which exactly coincides with the minor opposition of PC or Peel the conservative. Quadirot Brazen Faciendome. The value of stocks last quotation. During a rural ramble, the ex premier was diverted from the mental Shakespearean sustenance derived from chewing the cut of sweet and bitter fancy by an importunate appeal from a reckless disorderly. Who was doing penance for his anti total propensities by performing a two hours quarantine in the village stocks. So far from sympathizing with the fast-bound sufferer, his lordship, in a tone of the deepest regret, deplored that he had himself not been so tightly secured in his place. As, had that been the case, he would still have been provided with the linen draper of LUDGADE. Shop fronts are daily, higher, raised, power masters, higher, as often. Would they but raise our, higher, a bit. To it much our miseries soften. the and poor devil Spanish politics. From our special correspondent. Pampluna, October 1st. An event has just occurred which will doubtless change the dynasty of the Spanish succession before I have finished my letter. At 11 o'clock this morning. Several officers were amusing themselves at the quay in a coffee house. One having played the king. Another cried out. I. The king. God, Down with the Queen. Don Carlos forever. This caused a frightful sensation. And the National Guards are now on their way to blockade the House. 1 o'clock. P.M. The National Guards have joined the Carlists. And the regulars are at this moment flying to arms. 2 o'clock. The Royal Troops are defeated. And Don Carlos is now being proclaimed King of Spain. And see. From another correspondent. Madrid. October 2nd. The nominal reign of Don Carlos, commenced at Pampeluna, has been but of short duration. A diversion has taken place in favor of the husband of the Queen Regent Munoz, who, having been a private soldier, is thought by his rank and file camarados to have a prior claim to Don Carlos. They have revolted to a man, and the Carlists tremble in their boots. 6 o'clock, a.m., the young queen has fled the capital Munoz is our new king and his throne will no doubt be consolidated by a vigorous ministry. 7 o'clock. A.M. News has just arrived from Pamplona that the Carlists are so disgusted with the counter-revolution, that a counter-counter-revolution having taken place amongst the shopkeepers, in favor of the Queen Regent, the Carlists have joined it. After all, the Queen Mother will doubtless permanently occupy the throne at least for a day or two. 8 o'clock. News has just arrived from Biscay of a new revolt extending through all the Basque provinces, and they are only waiting for some eligible pretender to come forward to give to this happy country another ruler. Advices from all parts are indeed crowded with reports of a rebellious spirit, so that a dozen revolutions a week may be assuredly anticipated during the next twelve months. Songs of the city, Number 4. And must we part? Well, let it be, T is better thus. Oh, yes, believe me, for though I still was true to